Back to the crossover podcast, the show where you get comics and you get sports, and it's going to be full on comic book day today. As we are going to be talking at great length about the FX show Legion today, as well as we'll probably break down the recent trailers for both the Justice League and Spider Man Homecoming. Kevin Miller is here. How's it going, Kevin? Hey, not bad. How are you? <laughs> not bad, not bad. And making one of his many triumphant returns to this podcast is Mike Leapock. How's it going, Mike? Oh, it's going well. It's going well. All right, good to have you back. Uh, haven't had you on in a while, although technically you uh, recorded our what is going to be our 150th episode spectacular that I am yet to release. So, uh, oh yeah, so we won't that'll... spoil what it is. No, no, but there's yelling. Yes, definitely a lot of yelling. Good times though. Good times had by all. So, Legion just hit out on FX. Eight episodes and you're out. So from here on out, spoilers if you haven't seen Legion yet. Uh, turn it off and then come back and listen to this when you're done. I let, let me just take you a little bit about how how my watching pattern went through for Legion. Um, I had kind of just finished Iron Fist, and I was pretty sour, gotta say, because Iron Fist was a you know that's 13 episodes of my uh, 13 hours of my life I can never get back, and they they were stolen from me. And could have used those to be productive. Unfortunately, didn't. Wasted them watching Iron Fist. So then oh, Come I, on, Pierce. You, you know you're going to waste those hours anyway. Yeah, I probably would have wasted them anyway. But <laughs> yeah, You, you know, were not going to watch Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah, would have would have yeah, wasted them doing something enjoyable is the, uh, is, yeah. is the thing there. So then I popped on the first episode of Legion. And I got to say, I got a little soured on that one as well. Because the first episode was an hour and a half. And in actuality, it really only needed to be about 45 minutes. So that one soured me a little bit. And also I thought that the show was a little bit, first episode particular, was a little bit precious. You know, like it was a little bit up its own ass, I thought. Like a little full of itself. (laughs) So I was like, like like it was talking down to me a little bit and I didn't like it. And... I don't know if that was just, you know, bitter feelings from from having wasted my time watching Iron Fist and I was letting it seep out. But I I absolutely put it away for a good six weeks. And it built up in in my my DVR, PVR, whatever (laughs) you want to call it. And I just kept sat there and I was staring at him and I was staring at him and I was like, man, I really hated that first episode of Legion. And I was debating whether or not I should continue with it. Finally, one day I had a bit of time on my hands, and I just said, "Screw it, let's let's go with uh, keep watching Legion." And I am so glad that I did because it, man, it 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 gets exponentially better. Like I would say, the first episode is the worst episode of that show, and it gets better with with each watching. What would you say, Lee Puck? Um, you know what? I actually I actually liked the first episode, but I find it, it I I think it was the most flawed. Okay, like. I think it was it it was a good idea, but it seemed to be doing too many things. Like, cause there's the whole like, oh, what's real, what's not, blah 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 blah. Yeah. But it there was never really a question of that. It's just like they wanted to throw that in there just for whatever 
like mm. for no real good reason. And I thought the last action sequence was really weird because they were act, you know, actively getting shot at with machine guns and they kept stopping to talk. Mm hmm like several times and so there, there but there's it's not just those two things like there, there was a bunch of scenes like that where i was just like mm -hmm. like the pacing is really really rough here but uh i still enjoyed it i thought it was i thought it was good but i do agree that the series gets a lot better what are your thoughts on the first season uh like what are your thoughts on the first few episodes miller uh, I, I would agree generally that I, I liked it, but there was a whole lot going on there that very uh, that felt like intentionally obtuse. Mm -hmm. um, it very much felt like uh, how you're supposed to feel in like the first, let's say, 20 minutes of like Inception or Memento or something like that, where you don't know if this is a, a dream or a memory or this guy's psychosis or if he even has a psychosis or something like that. And it's it. Had sort of those, and I, I think I know where you're coming from, Matt, where it had those uh, sort of eye roll moments where you're like, I bet this is one of those things that once I watch the entire series, I come back to it and suddenly this first episode starts to make a lot more sense. And and you know it immediately, where you're like, cool, there's all these like flashes of things that don't make any sense, but I bet if I went back now, having finished the season, they will now. And you understand that that's a thing that happens in these sort of psychological thrillers, but you recognize when it's happening and kind of roll your eyes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the problem with that is that it wasn't even that it, they, it's not like they were planting clues to something later. They were just showing you what's going to happen. Mm. Like there was never a mystery that lasted more than a couple of minutes within that episode. And there was never uh, like any, like of those flashes that like, I actually did rewatch the first episode recently because I watched the first episode and then I watched two through five or something uh, with Liz. And then I went back to watch the, the first one. And and then it was like, uh, when I was rewatching it, they, there were a couple of flashes and stuff. But I was like, oh, that's all shit that you see in like episode two. Like, yeah. it's not like they, they did these season long plants. It's all uh, just it, it, it almost seemed like when they first laid out the episode that they they thought, ooh, let's do this. Let's put put this in. And then like at the end, we will blow everyone's mind. And then they just abandoned the plan halfway through and kind of were like, oh, whatever. And then they ended up with an hour and 15 minute episode. And they're like, what could we cut? Nah, just leave it all in. It, it Actually, along those lines, uh, Mike actually felt a lot like a Netflix Marvel series, which is very much like they reach a resolution to the only plot points that have been brought up so far. And then you look at what episode you're on, you're like, oh, there's still like, you know, nine episodes to go. Huh, there's still like three episodes to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought everything was cool now. Yeah. Like the, the, all the loose ends are tangled in a bow, and now they just have to create new loose ends. Yeah, like the only the only episode where there's ever any question of what is reality or whatever is that first episode, and then by the end of it, something in completely insane happens. But it's like, no, no, this is, I guess this is just what's real. That's uh, kind of weak. All right, well, let's yeah. see what's on with the rest of the show. <laughs> what am I looking at? This is now. We are watching this right now. <laughs> Wait, now is now? <laughs> when will now be then? <laughs> Just now. <laughs> I really think this series... And I gotta say, I, I think it was better because I waited the... Like, I let it build up in my DVR and then binge-watched them all. Because I think this series is a fantastic binge-watch. I think if I'd have watched this going week to week, I would I might have given up on it. Because... Yeah. Um, one of the guys I was discussing it with off off 
pod with one of the guys from from Movies Ruin My Life, and he had a great theory that it's it's a show of moments, right? Where mm-hmm. there's there's long stretches of just like, you know, what's going on in his mind, and is it real? What's real? What's not real? And it's like, okay, this is like the fourth hour of this, you know, like fucking get to it, you know. And then just as you're like about to turn the television show off something cool happens and then it's like oh my god all right now i gotta know what happens next right and if i had to wait week to week with that sort of a thing i think i think i would have i think i just would have been completely soured from the show and left so i think this show is better because it's a quick eight hours and then you're out and yeah it's really engaging and a lot of the scenes are are so stylized and and so just stylistically it's a beautiful show and the way they 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 switch it up and and just take chances with a lot of the sequences that that they do and we'll we'll get into some of the specifics later because i want to ask you guys what what your favorite sequence is later and it just i i just feel like the, the the medium of this show was just a lot better in in binge form what did what did what did you think lepa because you also binge watched it more or less right Oh yeah, yeah. I, I totally binged it. I I watched, I think the first episode one night, and then in the next like two nights, I watched like the next six. Mm. <laughs> um, and I, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. Like, just, uh... just 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 like I'm railing it all through. Then you know you don't have to wait for it. Like I don't even remember how the episodes really end. Like mm. it didn't even they didn't even feel like cliffhangers. It was just like, well, the show ended. That was fun. Let's just keep going. Like it yeah. wasn't like, oh my god, I gotta see what's happening. I gotta see what happens next. It was more just like that. That was cool. Let's just do more of that. <laughs> so I, yeah. I I kind of agree with that that whole where it's more because uh, it, it it's the show's more it's less about what it's about because mm-hmm. what it's about no I I don't know I don't really care um, but it's just put <laughs> together so well with like the actual what happens they present it so well yes that it's it that's what makes it so interesting and i think the performances are great mm-hmm. like i think people are like the actors do a really really good job really and job, yeah. they do a what actually look ends up if you really think about it kind of a shallow story but it's just presented in such a neat way mm-hmm. like and there's so many interesting leaving casting choices and everything. Like, freaking Jermaine coming out of nowhere. That's <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had to look that up. I'm like, I know this dude. Where is he from? As soon as he opened his mouth, I was like, yes. oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that was a nice treat. But, How- uh, yeah, no, I definitely did the binge thing, too. Uh, even more so God, than you, Leapock, somehow. We're going to need a fourth person here. Yeah. Let's <laughs> actually watch it week to week. Yeah, yeah to get that experience down. But, uh, no, I, I had, a, like, I'm on vacation this week, just taking a little staycation to get some stuff done around the house and work on some projects. So I was working on some paintings and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I still have daylight. I'm going to watch, like, the first episode and then paint for, like, 45 minutes. And then watch the second episode and paint for 45 minutes. And then by then it was sunset. And I'm like, all right, six more episodes. Let's do this. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, done. It was, like, 1.30 in the morning. And I'm like, huh, now I have to try to not have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> so how familiar are you two with the actual character of Legion? Not, not at, all. at all. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> so let, let me fill you in with some of the gaps. Now, you probably picked up on from watching the show that David Haller is the son of Charles Xavier. Yeah, I was wondering if that was implied or if he was just being dropped off by Charles. No, yeah. he, he, he is. In in the comic books, 
sometime, I think, because I believe Legion is created in the 80s, so it's the implication is that he met some... I think it was in the Vietnam War, back when Professor the the character of Professor X could still walk, and was in war, and you know he you know he slept with some woman and ended up getting her pregnant, and she never told him before he left to go off to do you know become Professor X, and she ended up giving birth to David Haler, who is in the comic books an Omega level mutant, which means he's a you know one of the most powerful guys there is, and. One of the near yeah, the show they call guys. like a world breaker. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the world breakers, and he basically has every mutant power there is. He's you know telekinetic, telepath, pyrokinesis, the whole shebangabang. He's got it. But the problem with this character is like the way because you know you need a hitch for for how someone who has all of the powers they can't necessarily use them properly. And in his case, he's a schizophrenic. And what happens is his mind is so powerful that he can sometimes take that. He will sometimes not knowingly do not like not knowing that he's doing this. He will actually absorb people's minds into his own. And then I was about to say, he's like that Mary Sue from heroes. And now he actually is a lot like that Mary Sue from heroes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And he, yeah. Cause P, what was it? Peter, uh, Peter Petrelli, Peter Petrelli, yeah, Petrelli Peter was Petrelli. basically their Legion ripoff. Right. Except instead of schizophrenia, it was gross incompetence was his. Yeah, and also they rewrote his, the way his powers worked every season. True, <laughs> and, yeah. and restarted him from scratch, and he had amnesia, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> so he... One time he blew up. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and then had amnesia, and apparently lost everything. <laughs> so Legion has all of these you know, different personas in his head, and they're all fighting for control, basically within his head so there's certain times they do comic uh runs where it, it's, it's it, i guess it's, i sometimes like it and i sometimes don't most of the time don't but they do you you go on these big long runs where awesome stuff is happening in the x-men franchise and you'll be like this is really great and then at the end they'll go whoops none of this really happened at all it was just in legion's head and it's yeah. like oh really you know and i'm like i guess that's cool but it's it's i, I you know i would have preferred if it was actually happening and stuff and another thing with because it was uh he, he was like a late 80s early 90s guys guy they gave him like a punk rock look so legion has like basically the the punk like it was it was very like mtv early 90s gen x punk rock like high top like kid and play high like it was like the guy from from Kid and Play with the high top fade, except it had like you know like the punk rock purple hair streaks going through it, and it like spiked at the top like a Dragon Ball Z character. It's pretty hilarious. If you ever want to see like Legion, like look that up in in like, just the way his his character design is. So like an extra from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, a little bit, little bit, but it, <laughs> it's very much in the vein vein of just nineties nineties grunge, like that just Gen X look, right? Yeah, it, 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 it's great. And so they did some of that, like they, they mentioned, and I'm surprised that they did because when I was reading uh, up on the show, Noah Hawley, who is the director of this show, he's the guy who is currently, who's been doing uh, uh, Fargo on FX. You've been watching Fargo, haven't you, Lee Puck? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Fargo. 30 well, years. yeah, of course he did Fargo because there's two characters from the second season of Fargo in yeah. this show. Yeah, two of the actors. So obviously, Sorry, two actors. Yeah, two in characters. characters. <laughs> yeah, two characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Fargo's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, and 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 Noah Hawley has admitted he's not a comic book fan. Like, like he's just not. So he smartly put people who are comic fans in charge of this, but they didn't lean into the X-Men universe as much as they they really wanted to as much as I'm sure I'm like like basically the 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 only connection they they had, I would say, is the actual existence of the Shadow King in this show. And mm-hmm. the existence of David Haler, because everybody else, as far as I know, are not characters in the comic books. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're all made up. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm sure the, the anonymous folks of the internet will, will tweet me to tell me I'm wrong. Well, there were a few scenes that were put together so well, mm-hmm. uh, compositionally, that I'm like, oh, they probably pulled this like panel for panel. Yeah. Like the there was the shot of the opening of the episode that opens with uh, Oliver sitting in like his ice cube. Yes. Wearing like the '70s cream suit and everything like that, and I'm like, I I, I bet that is like a cover. <laughs> it certainly did look like it looked like a cover, but as far as my knowledge goes, that's not like honestly, basically the existence of and then. There was that really good sequence where, and, and again, we're getting into the specific sequences because you mentioned one of my favorite ones, which was that scene opening where it was just Jermaine, like, let's just point the camera at Jermaine Clement and shoot, right? And, yeah. oh, yeah, and, and it was just fantastic. And there, there's the one sequence, I think, in episode seven, which was the penultimate episode and was far and away my favorite episode of the entire series, where David Haler is inside of his own mind talking to this like British version of himself that I think said it was his conscience or something like that, or his, his real his rational side, his <laughs> rational side. Yeah. And oh, he, and it was his British accent. Yeah. And he, and he used, <laughs> and he used his actual <laughs> British accent. Right. Cause I'm pretty sure Dan Stevens is, uh, is, is British, but don't quote me on that. He is. Yeah. Yes. And he, you know, he's staring at this chalkboard, right. And he's basically doing the chalkboard outlining of, of like, here's my origin story in chalkboard format. Right. And it was, just so fantastic right and, and they they mentioned like the astral plane and stuff like that which is basically the the limbo where all the telekinetics go to do uh, uh the, the the telekinetic you know battle of the minds like cartman style where they're like and where dr strange lives yeah exactly yeah or the uh that that fight between um dr killinger and all those his brothers in venture brothers yep yep absolutely yeah that's exactly what that's parodying is the uh is the Uh, as a long time dungeons and dragons dungeon master i am no stranger to the astral plane (laughs) man and it was like so i did like they didn't lean in as as hard as i thought they were and i think they made a conscious conscious effort not to knowing that noah holly's not really a comic book fan and they didn't want to be handicapped. I'm sure they didn't want to be handicapped by connecting it to the the Fox movie universe either, because I mean, look what happened to Agents of Shield on the other side, right? Where they 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 had a good thing going, and then because they're handcuffed by having to be part of the MCU, the premise of their show blew up, and and Winter Soldier, and they had to uh, recorrect, and they're only just now, three seasons later, kind of getting it back together. So. I mean, I, I actually really like that there was not a lot of actual X-Men references in this. What do you think, Mike? Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I agree. It was, it seems like, like it was definitely in the universe because when people bring up, you know, the idea of someone having powers, they all just kind of accept it. So clearly we're in that universe, but there was nothing like, it's not like there was anything like, I wonder if the Avengers are going to show up or anything, mm-hmm. yeah. right? <laughs> 
Like, oh, Iron Man's going to save us. Like that. Yeah, they're not. That was never dropping. an option. It was just like, you know, they're still doing their own thing. They're. Uh, it was, but you know, it was just. It makes it. It actually makes the. Uh, a lot of the show, I think, flow better with every if if people are able to just accept the fact that these people have powers. Like this is clearly a thing. They're not going to be like like it's not like every single person's be like, whoa, this person's is you know got a mutant. But you know what? There's they're they're mutants. That's just something that's a fact of life, and it, it ends a more interesting dynamic because that's that's something that I've always really liked about um, the X Men universe in general is that they deal with uh the more political and uh you know kind of uh social side of the mutants things with what whether or not they're accepted and all that like with you know magneto coming from the uh you know the concentration camp Mm -hmm. and that that side of things and then this show has a little bit of that because they uh are able to not only accept that they have powers, but then react to them as if they're just part of this other group, which is, I guess, the whole point is that they're, uh, you know, an oppressed group being hunted by the government. But then not actually acknowledging the other mutants, like the other mutant groups, uh, you know, keeps it safe from being, you know, tied in and then being saved by some, you know, massive superhero. Yeah, and and, uh, combining with something that Matt was saying earlier, it makes me wonder if this was supposed to have taken place during, like, the early 90s. Like, there's no oblique references to the year, except for that Jemaine seems to be dressed very 70s, and they claim he's been under for 21 years, which makes me think it's supposed to be early 90s. Because the government agents, they're they're modern. They're, their weapons all look super super modern. Mm. But the mutants, they're like they all got their shit from the sixties. Yeah, like yeah. dude's got a straight up Tommy gun. I'm pretty sure at yeah, some J- point. Yeah, Jeremy Harris and, is probably and then, the yeah Jeremy Harris and, and David Haller's sister, Wallace. sister and his girlfriend are both dressed as yeah. if they're from like the sixties. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of making me think that maybe that's the case. And if that if that is the case, then. Whether or not they want to now or in a later season, they can't really tie it into the X Men universe or movies or anything like that. Really, not really. Mm-hmm. I just think they're being hilariously, purposely vague, yeah, just yeah. to fuck with people. Yeah, I think like, I'm, I'm you sure. don't know what's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, it's it's Legion, and the logo has like a little X Men sort of logo in it, and we see like a, a shot of Professor X wheelchair that's on screen for like a second and a half. And, I mean, if you're even this deep in, there's mention of Farouk the Shadow King. But, I mean, I I assume that, like, I, I have no idea who the hell that is, right? Like, you could, you could watch this and not know that it has anything to do with X-Men. Well, the yeah, shat- I've encountered him in X-Men uh, video games, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the cartoon series. Yeah, and he made it into a few episodes of various animated series. But he is a real cool character in the comic books, which is why about... Like, I didn't think that they were leaning into the comic books as much as they did. So at first I had like, I had a, 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 a you know, as a fan of the X-Men, I had a, an, an inkling in the back of my head that maybe, well, maybe this is the shadow King. And then the way they kept doing the devil with the yellow eyes, uh, Lee Puck made me think, I, I, I thought for half a second it was Mojo. And I was just like, nah, there's no way, there's no way they're doing Mojo, right? Because it, it did kind of look like Mojo shrunk him, right? himself real small yeah. in this jam, this guy's brain. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And so for like, yeah, half a second, I was like, is that supposed to be Mojo? And then I was like, no, there's no way it's Mojo. And then about halfway through it, I figured out, oh wait, maybe this is the Shadow King. And then they just flat out said it was the Shadow King, and and 
mentioned that uh, you know he he's been inside of his mind this entire you know since he was a baby and he fought Charles in the astral plane and that was when I was like you know standing on my couch going because <laughs> it was just like <laughs> it was just like a really good sequence where they were like oh it's the shadow kick and I was like cool. I was assuming that it was a real character, and I was really yeah. hoping it would pay off because, like, they're like, "Oh, it's the devil with the yellow eyes," and, I, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Because in Supernatural, I don't know if any of you have ever watched that show. Yeah. The first two seasons, the antagonist is known only as the demon with the yellow eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> they better differentiate this. Like, this better be an established character. Otherwise, it's a terrible ripoff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it definitely is. And the Shadow King, well, he's got, you know, because he's also another, like, mind monster, He's doesn't really have a certain look because the, the, the look only you know, falls to the artist or the writer who's creating him. So, so throughout the comics, his, his, uh, appearance has changed. So sometimes he's actually this shadow monster who exists. Other time he, he kind of <clears throat> looks like the max from the nineties and where he's like this monster with giant teeth and kind of looks like he's, uh, you know, got armor. Another time he's just a bald fat dude. And, you know, uh, other times he's, he, he just, whatever he's basically he's whatever he needs to be or however the artist wants to draw him to to make it you know stylized and cool yeah and i mean even ignoring you know chalk doodle form in this he's got like four different forms even in the eight episodes that are shown here right absolutely to the point where we only kind of reconcile them as the same thing by like the what seventh episode yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and which brings me to another one of my favorite sequences which is the sequence where they all watch, they, they go to the, what was it, uh, Division 3 or something, where, where all the army guys uh, were holding some of the mutants there. And uh, Melanie Bird, who was played by Gene Smart, and she was excellent in this show, and the other guy are watching the security footage of the Shadow King in control of David's body, and he's just running, you know, dancing around in David's body. Just... Popping around the corner, being like, hello, boom, yeah. you're all dead. And just yeah, snapping people. his fingers yeah. and reducing them to dust. Yeah, like, just absolutely in an in, in amazing sequence of events that... that... Yeah, I, was, I, I love... Another shot I love is just when they're, mm-hmm. like, they're all, you know... You know, strapped up and ready to go, and they're freaking out about attacking this place, and they yeah. they go up, and just the whole thing's like on fire. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and there's like guys sticking out of the ground. Yeah, like oh, dead. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I just, I really, I, I really want. I want to go back and t- and talk about how you, you guys brought this up, and, and it was a great point about just. You have no idea what year this movie is taking place in, or whether any of this is actually happening, right? Because it could all just be in somebody's <coughs> mind, and we're all getting taken for a ride, right? I'm so mad if that's true, that by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would too. I, I, I wouldn't enjoy that twist whatsoever. But like, yeah, because Jermaine Clement, who is dressed like he's in the you know late '60s, early '70s, and and is still listening to music from that era, and then there was. Or, Jeremy Harris, who was playing Patonomy Wallace, right? Who who was the uh, the the dude with the Tommy gun? Instead, <laughs> who was dressed like the '40s or something like that, and and he's there with a Tommy gun and, and his <coughs> and his patty cap and his his extremely specific powers of I can go into other people's dreams and show them what happened, and it's like yeah. boy, what a what an otherwise useless power, right? That would I can be also. Like, 
time travel back to 1926 to buy my guns. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we're going out. Better get my going out hat. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my, my formal flat top. <laughs> Miller, what was your favorite sequence? In it, just just wire to wire favorite sequence <clears throat> in the entire eight episode series. Oh golly, uh, the one that uh, favorite sequence is difficult. Um, the entire uh, like episode and a half that they spend in the uh, uh, Audrey Plaza run uh, mental facility That's was kind of rad. Yeah. So there was the bit where um, it, the way that it jumps into that at the end of episode six, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I really enjoyed because it basically shows uh, like the the scene where um, Buddy, who shows up for like three episodes, like firing at uh, David with the Tommy gun. Mm-hmm. And then they basically like freeze time while they go into the mine palace, and uh, that's when uh, Farouk takes over and basically it traps them all in this asylum, and they're all just sort of, you know, vegetables effectively, and they all have these conditions that are sort of related to their past somewhat. But mm-hmm. and then we see that you know Aubrey Class is there wearing like a pencil skirt and you know got her hair done up real nice, and she's the uh, one in charge. I got very perchance to dream sort of vibes out of that. Mm-hmm. That really, then you know, you know that works for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm really into. So it was very much like a, that was the moment where I'm watching like. I just watched six episodes in a row, and I'm like, well, I can't stop now. There's only two episodes left. <laughs> yeah. Ep- I gotta see how this turns out. <laughs> yeah, episode seven was, was that's their Emmy episode. That was by far and away the best, like, 45 minutes of television that has been on in, in 2017, I would say, even though we're, we're early in the year. But, man, that was fantastic. What about you, Lee Pog? What was your favorite sequence? Uh, I gotta give it to the silent movie. Oh yes, bitch! Oh absolutely. yes, I forgot about that. Yes, yeah, I, I gotta give it to the silent movie. That was absolutely. that yes. was so well done. Like, yes. and it was as I was watching, I was just like, God, I fucking love this. Yeah. Like, it seems like, like it's such a neat way of putting it together because mm-hmm. it's like, like it seems like like so many people even even while putting that together, writing it, were just having fun. <laughs> like they're like, you know what? All right, that we're inside someone's brain who's insane and a fucking wacky. like Satan is running it. We can do anything. What do we do? And it's just like yeah. like the idea of when they're when they're entering the place, like when they're entering the house and uh and he makes it so that none of them can talk. Mm-hmm. Like nobody can hear anymore, so everything's completely silent. Like I'd love that sequence. And then and then the fact that that leads into the fact that now like when they are like conscious in the brain that it turns into a silent movie. Oh, it's great. Loved yeah. it. And it was like, what was the, what was that song like Bolero? They were playing like a weird, yeah, 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 yeah. Bell's Bolero, yeah, yeah, Bolero. because uh, oh. Oliver was like conducting with a toothpick and like yeah. <laughs> putting all these like fucking abjurations and shields and whatnot yeah. in front of David. I'm yeah. like, what the hell is this? Because he was putting letters in front of it. Because his powers are also extremely vague too. But it seems like he has mind powers as well. And because uh, I've watched that sequence, because just that sequence is on YouTube. I have watched that sequence no less than 30 times, I would say, because it is just so fantastic. And, and, and every time I watch it, I, 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 I notice something. Well, no, I just I notice something different about it because it's just like like the when uh, Jermaine Clement's character was like, you know, forming these things in front of him. The, like the it was all these letters and all the letters spelled shield and stuff <clears> like that. It was oh, it was just absolutely brilliant oh i didn't notice that and and during that whole sequence aubrey plaza 
goes to that yeah, shows level. up looking like Beetlejuice. Yeah, like goes to that like <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly, almost Beetlejuice in, but like goes to that. I think like it, it, it's like I would say thirty five percent Aubrey Plaza, thirty five percent Beetlejuice, and then thirty percent Heath Ledger's Joker in there. Oh and, yeah, and like like she she went to that level, and she was fantastic the entire series, and and she doesn't get an Emmy for for this performance. In, in this series, I'm gonna find whoever gets it and drop kick them and and give actually the yeah, yeah and give the with, with with that in mind, there was mm-hmm. also the sequence that Aubrey Plaza had I think just before that the where she's like sequence. running the hospital and everything is like perfectly normal and she goes into that secret room that uh, Sid had noticed and it's like this big musical dance number yeah exactly <laughs> like, holy yeah. fuck. It turned into Chicago for like yeah exactly it's just like the wearing dance. the sweater and like thigh high tights <laughs> yeah oh. It's brilliant it was like like on in that episode like she was fantastic throughout the entire series but in that episode she went to that level um well that was her victory lap right because that's her like i'm taking over david's mind and she's like dancing through all of his memories and stuff like Like she's in the kitchen that's exploded and whatnot yeah god it was so brilliant it was it was absolutely brilliant so yeah that was my favorite sequence as well, Lee Pop. So I think I'll go to what was my second favorite sequence. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard list. It's, it's tough because there were so many just great wire-to-wire moments. But and it, it's another one of, like, Aubrey Plaza's, like, I think this was her, her second best moment. And it's in the last episode when uh, David is in his own mind and then he's standing there and he's like looking, he's in the foreground, like looking directly into the camera. And then in the background rises the, the devil with the yellow eyes, right? Like the big fat, you know, scary version of, of the, of the shadow King. Mm -hmm. And then it plays like the creepy music that it would always play whenever the, the, the fat devil (laughs) with the yellow eyes would show up. And then David goes, stop. And then he stops and he goes like Lenny and then he turns around and Aubrey Plaza's just standing there with this like yeah. in this just like completely uncomfortable pose that she then had to hold for the rest of the for the rest of the scene and was like and, and uh, spent, eyes and mouth wide open. <laughs> yeah, eyes mouth wide open and then just spent the rest of the episode with Dan Steve or the rest of this like two minute long sequence with Dan Steven is or Dan Stevens is monologuing as David Haler about, you know, going talking about like the phantom limbs and stuff. Right. And he's like, you know, how will I feel when, when I get rid of you? And Aubrey Plaza is just standing there moving her eyeballs back, like back and forth. And it was (laughs) so fucking brilliant. And then at the end he goes, you know, like what's going to happen with me. And I don't know how they did this with like, but it was like her delivery. And then they obviously like, tuned it with the voice and i don't know if they did something with her teeth to make her teeth seem creepily longer in this whole sequence either but it was absolutely (laughs) working and she just goes like i'm not going anywhere in this crazy demon voice and then like it looked like she started choking him but then it zoomed out and he was just choking himself himself fuck it was brilliant oh god it was so brilliant I, I have another sequence I'd like to nominate as well, actually. <laughs> uh, and not one that includes Aubrey Plaza, actually. Um, it was the uh, when they're at the lighthouse and they realize it's a trap set by Division 3. Yes. Oh, there's yeah. The, there's the fight scene with uh, female Carrie and male Carrie sort of mimicking her movements while he's sweeping in the lab. Yes. Yeah, right. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, like, bending over backwards with, like, the Matrix dodge and, like, swinging his broom around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I thought that was pretty and it was another one of those scenes where there's nothing no sound effects no vocals it's just the music mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty strong scene as well what do you make of the end credit scene Lee Buck? uh like the very very end yeah like the, the like, where, where he gets stolen by that ball what by that by that floating <laughs> ball yeah well i do think he did done get kidnapped by a ball yeah i think Pokeball, I, go yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the government uh at mm. some point said release surgeon such thing and then it never showed up and then it did and it was a pokeball and luckily he was outside because i think if they closed the screen door they'd yeah. be fucked yeah. <laughs> yeah. i could just see the, the thing just bumping against the window <laughs> trying to get in yeah. like, oh, God. did you come for that did you government <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was i wasn't a fan of that one that that seemed kind of yeah I, I watched that i i didn't realize it was an end credit scene and then you made me go back and watch it matt i'm like the fuck was that mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very much like it's the mid-90s let's invent a pokeball because it seems to be all the rage right now it was just like well how are we going to set up the next season what if he's captured again yeah all right <laughs> that worked for us last time <laughs> i mean because the internet is is you know reddit and and whatnot are all a flutter with theories as to, as to what it could be none of which i think because like i like we mentioned noah holly's not a big comic book guy and they didn't lean fully into the x-men oh, someone think it's the collector no nobody thought it was the collector but the the oh. two most popular theories i've heard so far are one um muir island type stuff where where they're he'll be on muir island next year and they'll fix him with like one of those anti-mutant collars so that way you know it'll suppress his powers and sure that, that sort of thing oh, okay fight some dinosaurs fight right. some dinosaurs maybe well that's the savage <laughs> the savage land i don't i don't know if he'll be fighting dinosaurs and the other oh, one is right. is the other one is mojo is gonna is, is stolen oh is mojo was actually gonna show up yeah mojo will actually have a big Oh, yeah. that'd be hilarious. You know, that, that actually might be funny if he yeah. sees Mojo and then freaks out because it's just a really big devil with yellow eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, don't count on it. I don't, I don't think... I mean, I, if it was Mojo, I would love it! <laughs> but, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath. I don't, I don't, I don't think they, they... I don't think they, they plan on doing it. No, it's probably just the, uh, the government found... A weapon that mm. is more advanced than more guys with more guns, which seemed to be literally yeah. the only thing they could do. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> like, Lee we're going to go fight a god. Yeah. Guys with guns. Well, he's really powerful god. More guys with guns. Bigger guns. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that was a good part, too, at the beginning of the last episode when uh, Hamish Linklater shows up and he's like, kill him. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then they're, and he's like, no. And then he, like, balls up all of his soldiers. <laughs> There's, like, this whole big, like, seven-minute-long, like, yeah. cold open yeah. of all, this, all the rehab that this dude had to go through and <laughs> to, get to, to, to show up. And, yeah. and he just gets trounced within eight seconds. Yeah. And all of his soldiers get turned into the three stooges yeah yeah hamish link later was excellent which brings me into my next question we do this with the game of thrones show every year mike leapock who is your mvp of the first season of legion oh boy yeah uh tough tough choice oh good lord um oh god <laughs> pass pass because i mean like it's tough because I mean, even like like we just mentioned Hamish Linklater, who was there for 
all of the first episode, all of the last episode, and the last three seconds of the seventh episode. And he was and, and like and he was throwing a hundred and miles an hour the entire time, right? Like, yeah. like he very much he was there for a fourth of the series, and he has a legitimate claim, I think, to MVP of season one. Yeah, he he did such a he was such, he did such a good job, and he was such an interesting character. Like mm-hmm. they really really managed to humanize him in like that seven yeah. minute scene, yeah. where you're like, oh well, all right, let's see what happens. But I don't know. Overall, I I got I gotta give it to essentially Lenny, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it like, was very it, much. Well, I just want to talk about that sequence that you were because it, it was very much like remember that joke in the very first Austin Powers where like Austin Powers just kills some anonymous henchman and then it cuts back to this like white picket fence family and it's just this this <laughs> this woman who like the, one of the Stepford wives is like chopping vegetables with their son playing baseball in the front yard and they get a phone <laughs> call it's like by the way your husband's dead because Austin Powers killed him <laughs> and then they're like no <laughs> it's just it was absolutely brilliant where they were just like oh yeah these guys are people too right yeah where they they show him in the hospital and his <laughs> yeah. his husband comes yeah, yeah. and it, and he's like all this stuff and they're trying to and put him back to Canada. yeah <laughs> yeah they're they're bl- who by the way yeah. it, he's at least 30 right <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah, that that scene took me a minute to parse i'm like is that their son i don't under- like who are these two people <laughs> <laughs> all i could think of with that was the 30 rock when Tracy Jordan has his son show up, who's older than he is, <laughs> Daddy, can I have some money from my dojo? <laughs> Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> oh God! I love you, son. <laughs> I love you too, Daddy. <laughs> that was a great episode. Ah, oh, Kevin Miller, who is your MVP? Um, for the sake of this conversation, are we excluding Lenny? <laughs> Uh, no. I already picked Lenny. So. <laughs> no. All right. Well, me. if it's if it's not Lenny, then it's a uh, male carry for me. Yeah. Who basically just sciences his way out of things that he could barely understand. Bill Irwin. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, I invented this halo, and it'll it'll shunt this demon to like a closed off part of your mind. It's like, hey, how did you invent that? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like, oh, really? He's like, oh, don't touch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it barely works. <laughs> yeah. Nah, he was he was just a treat every time he was on screen. I mean, as was uh, Jermaine Clement. Yeah, sure. I mean they they were kind of like you know C tier characters on the show, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I really enjoyed them. They seemed like fun guys. Yeah, J- Jermaine. I also uh, the other guy I found myself identifying with a lot was Batonomy, uh <laughs> because every time there was a scene where you know david was out to run off half cocked on something and everyone else was like no that's a bad idea he always seemed like the voice of reason Mm -hmm. who would say what i was thinking like hey this is a really dumb idea (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like hey what the hell's wrong with you people (laughs) yeah like Like, to both like sets of people like to david and at times to like the people who are ostensibly his bosses too yeah Yeah, basically every time they wanted to go get themselves killed he's like or not yeah Yeah. like he just got the impression he was rolling his eyes i was like all right well i guess i'll go get my flat top and my tommy gun yeah (laughs) Yeah. well and he and then they're like okay remember all these villains that we have they've been trying to murder us he's like well why why don't we just murder them back yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly he, to make the second Austin Powers reference of this podcast, he was basically the Scott Evil of their crew, where he was just like... I got a gun in yeah, my room. Exactly. Let me go get it. <laughs> yeah. Bam, bam. We yeah. get some lunch. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, 
I I I think they're, they're every everybody I think was fantastic in this in this show. Everybody like Jer- Jeremy Harris was great. Bill Irwin, as you mentioned, Miller. Dan Stevens was fantastic as David Haler. He fucking killed it. By the way, yeah. um, so I've watched all of Downton Abbey, mm-hmm. or at least most of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I watched the entire first episode, and I legit, even while watching him for so long, I was like, ah, I've, I don't know this guy. I guess they got someone new, but you know, he seems really solid. But I've never seen this guy in anything. <laughs> yeah. I looked at no, then it goes, it gets worse than that. I looked him up on IMDb, and I was like, he was in, he was in Downton Abbey. He was in twenty five episodes. <laughs> it's like. Who was this guy that I never noticed? I had to look him up again, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those people where he's got one of those faces, and he's got one of those uh, names. You're like, Dan Stevens. Well, that could be anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the first time I saw him on camera, like, because it was kind of like a head-on shot, and he was kind of unshaven, I'm like, he kind of looks like a taller BJ Novak, and also kind of like um, yeah, he does. Uh, Joel McHale. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Lost I'm like, huh? Wait, and just like, how do I know this guy? He just completely transformed himself from back then. Like, he was, oh my god, he was, it's, it's so great. But yeah, he did a fucking fantastic job. Yeah, it also makes me want to see uh, the live action Beauty and the Beast even more. <laughs> yeah, I would also um, nominate as one of my favorite sequences the that one in the, with the uh, the chalkboard. <laughs> Where yeah, he's talking to his his rational self that's British. Yeah, that that yeah. was great. I do like that at one point his American self tries to do a fake British accent. <laughs> <laughs> and his actual British side calls him on. Yes, that that Acting. line was actually phenomenal because it was yeah. it was such a bad British accent and to hear a British guy imitate an American imitate a Brit and sound completely ridiculous was phenomenal well that. it's always amazing when you see people do that like i remember they played it for comedy and like buffy the vampire slayer when spike would have to sometimes feign an american accent no i'm just friends with xander here <laughs> <laughs> because he's an american guy playing it like a cockney guy playing an american guy <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite <laughs> yeah so for my mvp one of the ways i sold you guys on this show was I believe I texted the two of you, and I texted Rob, who's been on this podcast many times, and unfortunately, due circumstances beyond our control, was unable to binge watch it in time to be on this podcast. And we wish he was here, but uh, we're, we're going to soldier on without him. And the way I sold it to you guys was I claimed that Aubrey Plaza in this show goes to that Heath Ledger Joker level. Now, having seen that show, or, ha- or having seen the show... Was my claim out of line? I'm asking. I don't think so. No. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't think it was out of line in the way that you're wrong, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it up at that quite that level. But I think this is like I I I, I think she did an incredible job. Like uh, I think it was it was really really strong. Uh, a lot of the stuff was she did was friggin' phenomenal. I think Heath Ledger's Joker was kind of out of this world where she might have been in it, but still like right on the top. Like I, I don't want to I don't want to besmirch her mm-hmm. performance at all, um, but I just don't think it was quite up to that level. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that I compare them directly like that. It's difficult because mm-hmm. I really like them both. 
I do think that this is far more range than I ever thought I would see it of Aubrey Plaza. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see where she goes with it next. Like, I really hope she gets her uh, kudos for this for this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, yeah, like you're saying, I, I really like that performance I like a lot. It's more than I expected of her, and I think it might be one of the best uh, comic acting performances that we've got since Heath Ledger, probably this decade, in the 2000s. I think it was. I, I I really did think she made a really really big uh, leap forward and transformation with this role. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think Heath Ledger made a larger leap. <laughs> like, because I mean, you know, when I was when I first heard, you know, Heath Ledger as Joker, what the hell? And then you know, going from Ten Things I Hate About You to that, I think is a. I just think it was a bigger leap than Parks. Essentially, you know, an equivalent Parks and, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec to to this. Yeah. Now, when when I said she got to that level, I didn't. I wasn't comparing her to Heath Ledger. Um, what I meant oh, no, was, yeah. go ahead. This is one that oh, people no, no, are no, going to be talking about. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I know. I, I think I know what you mean. Where it's like not like saying that she did a, a better job mm-hmm. or whatever, but I, but yeah, no. I, I essentially performances you can kind of rate mm-hmm. and not comparing them against each other, but really on a you know. And it, you can kind of give people a numbered scale. And yeah. while Heath Ledger was like right up there at like nine, nine point five, I don't get anyone who's not Daniel Day Lewis a ten. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, you you get that up to that. Maybe she was a little bit lower. And yeah. you know, because you you reference it as look, she did a, a a you know a great job like that. Now we're kind of comparing it, um, just because that is the comparison that was brought up, but not trying to say that, uh, you know, not trying to actually weigh them against each other. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't I think it's that easy to compare two people's no. acting ability in a, in a quantifiable way. Like I'm not telling anyone to watch the fucking throne or anything like that. Um, but uh, I was very excited by this performance and I like Aubrey Plaza. I have since Parks and Rec and I, it, I'm excited to see that she has, a lot more range than I thought she did, and I'm excited to see where she takes that going forward. The comparisons, I think, to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight were the fact that the performance by both of them are just so transcendent of not only themselves, but the characters that they are playing. Like, who outside of comics gave a fuck about the Shadow King, right? Like outside of comics, fans gave gave an, an F, and 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 now they've just got this absolutely astonishing performance from Aubrey Plaza, who, by the way, the last two things I saw her in were fucking <laughs> Bad Grandpa, which is an absolutely <laughs> atrocious goddamn movie, and she's terrible Why? in it. She's terrible in it, and that movie, by the way, features scenes of Robert De Niro masturbating and Aubrey Plaza having a sex scene with Robert De Niro. And then, like, a movie that I turned off, and then she was in another movie that I turned off where it was her and, uh, oh, God, what's her face from flipping uh, Anna Kendrick, where it was, like, Mike and Dave need oh. wedding dates, whatever, with Zac Efron and the dude from Workaholics, uh, who plays the same character in everything he's in. And yeah, I just, I had no idea she had it in her. I absolutely had no idea she had it in her. And she, she well, you look at the, her early stuff. Like, okay, yeah. so first thing I saw her in was Scott Pilgrim. 
Yeah, she was good. Which she just had, like, you know, one, uh, essentially, yeah, I mean, she had a couple of lines, but she read it the exact same she as had the one scowly pitch. person. Yeah. But and then pitch. that was, that was her, the pitch that she carried into Parks mm-hmm. and Rec. Yes. And that was, like, the entire first season was that whole pitch. And then she became an actual character after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, if you look at her early stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. Season one, Parks and Rec, Scott Pilgrim. It's like, okay, this person is clearly just a character actor. 45 who, seconds of death proof. <laughs> yeah, who can just kind of scowl. And, no, that wasn't her. Never mind. Or whatever. <laughs> and then to bring this to the table where she's <clears throat> able to do, you know, uh, just everything that she did. It was great. <laughs> well, and then that's what I, I'm kind of saying. Like, the way that I can kind of compare her performance to Heath Ledger's is that I knew who the Joker was. I didn't know who Shadow King Farouk was. Yeah. And so when I see, like, Heath Ledger, who's someone who, you know, like we were saying, was in a lot of, you know, he was in Ten Things I Hate About You and A Knight's Tale and sort of, like, these romantic comedy slash, like, sort of children's Disney movies almost. Where basically he stands there and is like, look how handsome I am. Yeah. yeah, like he's he's a pretty boy. Like that's the role that he plays. And to have us then, you know, he gets cast in The Dark Knight and the world at large kind of turns their nose up saying like he's not really fit to play the Joker, especially in this darker, grittier Batman universe where, you know, we had like Liam Neeson playing Ra's al Ghul in the first one and it was a pretty good outing. Um, but that's something someone know. And and coming from a different side here, we've now got Aubrey Plaza in similar roles where, like we're saying, we know her playing basically the Daria-type character as she plays, like, the sarcastic uh, teen girl in, in Scott Pilgrim and in Parks and Rec. And then sort of, like the, like you're saying, Matt, she then is in two movies that you turn off in a farce comedy and, uh, what, a rom-com, I'm guessing? Mike no, and Dave, New Wedding No, they were both... They're they're both just awful, like vulgar comedies. And, and well, sure, but I mean, what I'm saying is, anybody, they're they're basically sorry. they're giving her like a certain role to play, and as soon as she can have an opportunity to play something besides that, we find that oh fuck, you know, this girl's got chops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this actually uh, brought a really interesting or a really unique and actually great opportunity for her because not only. Uh, because the fact that nobody knows who the Shadow King is, then she can play it basically however she wants. Mm-hmm. And she can actually, like, she doesn't, she can show that she can actually do mo- other stuff and doesn't have to be pigeonholed. Like, she can do other things. Yeah, it's, because, it's great for her. It's, it's great because for nobody's, nobody's expect like, okay, even with, like, like, with Heath Ledger and the Joker, going back to that, like, again, you said you, you know who the Joker is. And you go in there and you watch that and you watch that movie and you're like, yeah, okay, this is the Joker. This is a, an interesting take on the Joker. And it's really cool that he's doing this, but it's still definitely that character. Whereas nobody's going to watch, I, I I mean, I don't, I, I, nobody's going to watch, like, Legion and be like, that, that's definitely the Shadow King. That's, that's totally how he would act. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Aubrey Plaza is just, you know, it, it was written in a neat way and she's just playing it. Like, mm-hmm. in a, she can do whatever she wants with it because nobody nobody has any expectations. Yeah. And with that in mind, I also want to take a moment and say big ups to, like, the DP on this, the the writer, the direct, the direction. Like, everything was pretty yes. great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a stellar performance top to bottom as far as the crew goes, I would say. Um, I really have to give it up to the DP on this one, actually, because yeah. there were a lot of really well-composed shots and some of those, like, mind 
uh, in, like the the sort of trippy effects that would happen when they were in someone's mind. Yeah, like it was Zeppelin sequence and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah seeing with even the Zeppelin sequence, like th- whoever was choosing, whoever chose all the music for this, mm-hmm. on point. Like mm-hmm. even just like like you know there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, classical music and not just like Ravel Bolero, but there was mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff that was like really like not your typical like there there's a lot of more uh better well-known pieces that they could have thrown in there but they're like you know going a little bit deeper into Mm -hmm. the into uh you know into the selection to get some lesser known stuff that works better like there was like the the foray pa yezu and stuff like that it was just i thought it was great like i thought all the music Mm -hmm. in the show was really really good and really contributed well to everything man great series just an absolute fantastic series let me ask you a question, though. If we take all of the bad guy performances that have ever been done in comics and TV movies and in and, and TV and movies, is this Aubrey Plaza performance as Lenny Busker slash the Shadow King, is there – would you put anything besides Heath Ledger's Joker above her? Like, like where is she on the, on the all-time list? Because for Ugh. me, for me, I have just Heath Ledger above her right now. I think this is the second best bad guy performance we have seen in in the history. Of, at least let's let's say if we go since two thousand eight, since since the golden age started in two thousand eight. <sighs> I don't think anything's above her. I can name a couple others that come kind of close for me. Okay. Um, the the one that immediately comes to mind is uh, I forget that who played him. Or maybe I never knew, but uh, the second season era of Slade Wilson. Yeah, okay. I thought that was pretty, like, that was super, um, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of scary in a different way. Like, here's a character who's really just intimidating. Yes. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't come up to that level, I don't think. And, and nothing, like like we've said before, like, Marvel villains generally are kind of not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Ian McKellen's Magneto's always a treat, but you kind of put more of that on on like Ian McKellen than you do the character necessarily. I don't know. Like it's just always nice to see Ian McKellen on screen. I think is where I'd chalk that up too. But Brian Cox in X two, I think I think could force his way into the conversation. I think I think he was really good in that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a top five. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, because even, even if you go back and you count, like, Nicholson's Joker and stuff like that, I mean, I still think I put, I, I still think I put this Aubrey Plaza. Maybe, I mean, I hope this isn't recency bias, but uh, I, I honestly just didn't know she had it. I really didn't know. I really didn't know. It's like, it's it's all of a sudden, if, if you had an off-speed person, who, like, an, an off-speed pitcher who, because uh, we, we were comparing her to, the, to the type of pitches she had now, it's all of a sudden if someone who was a changeup specialist just started throwing 105 miles an hour, and you're like, "Whoa, where did that come from? What are they on roids and stuff like yeah. that?" It's just it came, it, it came <clears throat> out of nowhere, and it's just I keep going back to that to the one sequence where it was her and Rachel Keller in in that one room where it, was, it had like all the white stuff, and she was like under the bed under the bed sheets, right? And then she yeah, like yeah. throws the bed sheets away, and she had like armpit hair and her teeth were all like stained yeah and gross shit. and shit yeah. and, and she's just like hey and i was just like oh <laughs> my god that's so brilliant and it's just just the range that, that that she had and even just just doing stuff where where she wasn't even like she like it was it, doing just non-verbal communication and stuff it was all 
fucking yeah. brilliant. It's man. it's interesting to say that in my sort of mindset, looking at the first season of Legion and what it kind of means for the future, I am much more excited to see what Aubrey Plaza does next than I am to see a second season of Legion. Yeah, like yeah. is that crazy? <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. Yeah, you know what? I, I I've been thinking about it, and I okay. I think Heath Ledger beyond mm-hmm. uh i do actually think ian mccallan is beyond yep. one that i'm not sure about is tom hardy yeah okay i i i, I buy it i mean that's a polarizing guy right because the tom hardy yeah guy... <laughs> no one's really sure about <laughs> well, yeah is, i even... i i know i i liked his stuff so much except for like the last couple seconds where he was alive um <laughs> Because, I mean, like, yeah. Because, I, I mean, like, here, here's the thing. There's been so much revisionist history on um, on The Dark Knight Rises. But even the people who absolutely turned on The Dark Knight Rises and think it's a complete piece of shit, not one of them have anything bad to say about Tom Hardy's Bane, right? Yeah. Like, like I think I might yeah. I might put Tom Hardy's Bane beyond that. Just yeah. But then, you know what? Like, I I don't know any like I can't think of anyone else that's actually that much better like there there's or, or better at all like there are some other really really great performances that well okay maybe Jack Nicholson Joker because I I love Jack Nicholson's Joker yeah um but I mean there's a lot of other there's you know great people like Brian Cox uh, William Stryker there's Liam Neeson Raz Al Ghul um I thought of even, another one actually even uh, Alfredo Molina. Alfred Molina, as a, yeah. as a, a, Doc a, a, a Doc, Doc, you know, Dr. Octopus, like, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the movie I, was... I thought of another one, actually, uh, Daredevil Season 1, Wilson Fisk. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah, you could, you can certainly make it an argument for, for... In much the same way, it's just like, you know, he's a dude who is physically powerful, but it's just a scary guy to be in the same room with. Yeah. Like, even, um... Uh, what's his face? Who does uh Loki? Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that one. Well, no, I'm not saying beyond, but it's also good. It's. I mean, I, I don't like Loki as a character. I don't know if it's a good performance or if I'm just biased against it. Well, he's a silly character, but he's did it well. Sure. Yeah. But not yeah, in the yeah. same. Uh, not in the same like realm i'd say as a lot of these other people yeah yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at because the, the thing with marvel is uh they have really good casting like i'd say 90 percent of the time for their main main characters and villains and so on uh but that also means that the characters always just tend to play themselves if that makes sense like I really like Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, but he's being Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Robert Downey Jr. is basically playing himself, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Well, that's because Robert, I mean, it, it, Robert Downey, 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 Downey Jr. It's not though, a good effectively invented that character. Yeah, and it, it's not that it's not a great, great performance, but it's not, you know, blowing it out of the water totally unexpected either, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the, a big factor for Opry Plaza Heath Ledger is we didn't know that they could do it. And they did, and it surprised the hell out of us. Yeah. Agreed. So that's it for our Legion card. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to to Legion talk before we move on to a couple of trailers? You know, before he got uh, kidnapped by that Pokeball, I was really looking forward to season two. I was going to say, I really would have liked this season if I hadn't watched that end credits. <laughs> because of what the hell. Uh, could oh, be oh, actually, no, I, I, have, I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, this is another one of those 
I say flaws with um, episode one. Who's the mutant that set everyone on fire? Oh, I have no idea. And why didn't they use them all the time? That's a good question. I I I, I don't remember. All I re- I don't remember anyone setting anybody on fire. I remember the guy. There's the telekinetic who was running around, you know, yeah, backhanding people into the sky. Yeah, with his yeah. mind and stuff. Like, but he was there later. Like mind powers. Yeah, but he was the guy who got stabbed later, right? Yeah. In, yeah. In the... yeah. He got stabbed by the the eye. Yeah. But and... but yeah, seriously, that one scene in the pool is the only scene where some sort of mutant burns a whole bunch of people to death. Yeah, you're right. And you don't see who it is. It just happens. I don't know. And what then we're they never to explain why it happens. Yeah. And it point. was definitely a, it was definitely a mutant because it it gradually got hotter in there. Like you can see them sweating and yeah. you know tugging at their collar and all this, and then and then all of a sudden, boom! And then yeah, you flash just, fried. And, and then all those <laughs> other guys show up, none of which have that power. <laughs> yeah, God, who knows? <laughs> Maybe it was the Shadow King who was doing it, and we we just don't. Know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, are we supposed to assume that that was like? Uh... Uh, David doing it reflexively or something because like he seems to just be going along for the ride at that point. Man, that is the weakest shit because she told him there would be lights. Yeah, she yeah, told exactly. him it was gonna happen. That's what yeah. I don't understand. I mean, it might be the Melanie power that we never ever see her demonstrate. Yeah, yeah I, honestly, and don't I don't know for sure that she has. <laughs> I I, I kind of feel like they filmed a lot of footage for that first episode. Yeah, like I'm thinking the two hour plus range, and the editors were like good lord how do we cut this down yeah and maybe cut out a lot of explanation part and then left in some stuff that didn't matter i don't know that first episode was kind of yeah. a mess yeah it was, it was in not terms great. of like an editing mess yeah i one last thing i want to say about legion is that it was an incredibly awkward for me like to see katie adelston play uh david Haler's brother and like it was just it was impossible for me to take her serious because she is seriously in that role because she's on the league in FX, so it was just absolutely impossible to take her seriously after hearing brother. her say or his, his sister, David oh, okay. Haley's sister. What did I say? <laughs> like, did I miss something? Did I miss a whole episode? No, it was it was, it was impossible. <laughs> no, I don't know where she also just whips at her dick. And yeah. you're like, oh boy. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because like it, it's just deleted sequence. It's it's. Impossible to take her seriously in that role after hearing her say sh- stuff like "suck it, dick cream" on the league like four <laughs> times an episode, and it's just like, good lord, yeah, no one from the league should ever get another acting gig again because it's impossible <laughs> to take them because they just said too many vulgar shit on that show, so it's impossible yeah. to take them seriously. And well, if it's any role. consolation, it wasn't that serious a role. <laughs> no, but it was. There were sequences where they needed her to be doing something, and all I was expecting her to say was "suck it, dick cream" the entire time, right? And it's like, uh, <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. All right, so that ends our Legion talk. We love it. Uh, let's move on. A couple trailers dropped this week. Um, I got mixed feelings about both. Let's talk about the first one. The Justice League trailer dropped. Uh-huh. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Holy <laughs> crap. Yeah, I have like, mixed feelings about the Justice League trailer because oh, my feelings are pretty on one side. <laughs> God. Like, this is going to be a fucking disaster disaster of a movie and god it couldn't even you know okay i love the fact that apparently the first cut is three hours and that's what they chose to show us jesus yeah like holy hell like i'm on i'm at the i'm at the end of my rope here to the point where i'm just 
I'm honestly debating whether or not I even want to fork over the cash to go see this movie in in theaters. Like I just I really don't. Like it just it looks so <sighs> bad. It looks like the Avengers, but shitty. <laughs> like and not fun <laughs> and terrible and it's like why and, do I like, want to fork over money? You know what? You know what? You know what I think was the most egregious things is that the the effects don't look good. No. Like no. Cyborg the, the looks gre- like he's half baked. Yes, <laughs> like he needs to render for a few more hours in Maya before <laughs> yeah. they make the trailer. Yes, the cyborg looks weird, and even like the scenes where they're all like landing and hero shotting, like the green screen looks like really obvious. It's yeah. just, yeah, oh, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's weird like Zack Snyder those hero was like shots is something that Zack Snyder usually does well, right? <laughs> well, and, and I feel like Zack Snyder's like, you know what? Fucking killed it with Batman versus Superman. I'm gonna yeah. phone it in this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's patting himself on the back for Batman Superman. He's like, man, got that one right. <laughs> oh boy, God. I need to go back and watch that trailer again with a no, stopwatch because I think I think 40 percent of it's in slow mo. Uh, I, I actually uh, just did before before we started because uh, yeah. I mentioned it and I was like, oh, I watched this a couple of weeks ago. Let's let's put it back on. I remember watching it the first time and thinking, man, that looks like a medium, like low effort hero movie. Yeah. And just watching it again, I'm like, oh, this could be awful. Yeah. Like, like, it, like it'll be this slightly... this could be th- this actually has the potential to be like um, like Joel Shoemaker bad. Yeah, I think oh, it'll be. So... I, I think it'll be slightly better than Fan Four Stick. Like that's the range I'm putting it in right now. I think it'll be yeah, slightly it's... better than the Josh Trank movie, where when they eventually make the documentary about the making of Fan Fan Four Stick, that'll be more Part interesting. Of too. Yeah, than the actual movie, right? Like just yeah. Ooh. Uh, Mike, uh, the thing with the Schumacher ones is I can always like grab some friends, grab some brews. <laughs> watch Batman and Robin and have a good laugh. Mm-hmm. I will never go back and watch Batman versus Superman unless like it's for a stunt on the podcast. Like it's our 250th episode. Watch us injure ourselves with drink. I don't think I have, I don't think I have enough Ram to actually, uh, <laughs> like last that long, last yeah. that long on a pod. Seven uh, hour episode. Yeah. Like 14 hour <laughs> episode of podcast. No one's going to fucking listen to that. So when you say, like, oh, this is approaching, like, Schumacher levels of bad, like, I think we're past that point. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, okay, so, like, I mean, they're Batman bad and Robin, ways, I, so. I, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, um, wait, yeah, Batman and Robin, I hated when I, wait, which one was the, Batman and Robin and then Batman Forever, which one's the Batman later one? Forever was the first one with, uh, Jim Carrey and, and Tommy Lee Jones, and then right. Batman and, and Robin then, was, was Ice to see you. Yeah. Oh my God. See, I I hated Batman and Robin when I first saw it. Even yeah. when I was a kid, I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> and like, I I'm I'm saying it like, imagine that was released today. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it was yeah, released fair. in 2017. Yeah. Well, that would be like meta ironic, though. <laughs> well, it was. It was. Yeah, it was the released. Hipster in, crowd it, it, takes it, it, it to number one spot. Yeah. Because it'd be like, oh, look at this like campy 60s Batman throwback. Lol. How randoms. It was released, but they called it Green Lantern this this time around. Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the Justice League movies. I I still stand by my statement of Wonder Woman's gonna come out and Justice League is gonna come out and the Lego Batman movie will beat them by like forty five percentage points on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. And 
Well, and the only one who even has a shot of of toppling that is Wonder Woman, because Justice League is is gonna be a fucking just rotten movie because Zack Snyder. Train wreck. Yeah, Zack because Snyder they're... shouldn't be allowed near movies. He, he... Well, I've got a couple like... specific beefs to bring up if we want to get into it. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Um, first off, uh, and you guys can feel free to chime in on this, but they better fucking explain what sort of fishing village, uh, Bruce Wayne is going to that he needs to ride a horse to. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> like, hey, Bruce Wayne, maybe take a plane or a boat or something. Why you have a horse? Where is yeah. this place? Yeah. How did everyone else get there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, when he has a wide shot, I'm like, I, I maybe I'll have to go back and look and zoom in, but I bet there's cars there. <laughs> <laughs> And what's your like, second? We really need to like ride those Dark Knight allegories. Uh, yeah. There are like two speaking parts for uh, Aquaman yeah. in this trailer, and both make him look more like a surfer bro than a uh, like King of Atlantis. Yeah. So yeah. I have no idea how they're characterizing Jason Momoa in this, but it doesn't seem good. Well, I mean, it, we never thought it was going to be good, but I mean, there was like a, an unspeaking part in Batman versus Superman where we see like the video clip of Aquaman. And that looked okay. It was it was short and nothing, but I mean, it was okay. And now I don't know what the hell they're doing with him, <laughs> yeah. because he's like, t- you know, drinking Jack out the bottle and being like, oh, he's paying for it. And then he says like some bro lines that make Bruce Wayne say some cringy line, like you yeah, know, right. it was uh, it was it was uh, you dress like a bat. It's cool. And yeah, he's I like, did. and then before that, before yeah, yeah, <laughs> before that, he's he's uh, Alfred or whatever. I guess is like. You know, it's nice to see you, uh, you know, making friends playing well with others. No, yeah. playing well with others again. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, "Yo, you dress like a bat, I dig it." And he's like, "Maybe temporarily." Yeah. Oh. God. And like that. That let, let's raise the bigger question of the mere fact that Zack Snyder has the Batman running around forming the Justice League shows a complete and utter. <laughs> like disregard yeah, for the history <laughs> of any of that character because if you know the Batman the Batman hates being in the Justice League he absolutely hates it whenever he has to team up with those people because he trusts like two of the people who are in the entire Justice League and they're like Oliver Queen who's the other rich guy who doesn't have superpowers <laughs> and like and like and like Diana maybe because Diana's not that insane so the fact that he's got you know, the loner Batman who, like, hate, just hates being part of the Justice League, running around, willingly forming this team because for some vague reason at the end of Batman Superman, because, I, I don't know, Superman died, I guess. And he's like, well, better put a team together. And it's it's just... Well, like, he was like, he had, like, the dream sequence that made him think, oh, this is prophecy, I guess. And so yeah. I need to be another, ready for this alien thing, threat. Another thing Batman doesn't believe in is... Like yeah, magic and prophecy ma- magic and <laughs> visions and prophecy and and it, it's 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 an absolute and Ben Affleck is trying his ass off and I give him all the credit in the world for putting up with this bullshit I really do and <sighs> it's it's just fucking embarrassing is what it is it's fucking embarrassing if you're a Batman oh fan. we could have had it all Pierce <laughs> yeah we could have biggest Justice League fans in the world and this is how they do me <laughs> yeah fucking terrible. <laughs> Uh, darkest timeline yeah literally and figuratively so spider-man homecoming came out (laughs) yeah there we go (laughs) i got a couple mixed feelings about this one Mm -hmm. because 
I mean, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I will have I have no reservations about whether or not I'm going to hand over fork over my 15 bucks for this movie. I I absolutely am. I just wish that they scaled back the trailer a little bit because it seems like they gave away both Acts the 1, 2, and 3 in this trailer <laughs> and, and some of the really best sequences in this trailer. It really does. That's um, the, my only beef, and I, I was going to say the exact same thing. It looks fun. It looks like I could tell you the plot right now. And and, and just like, why would they give away? They, they should have pretended like Tony Stark wasn't even in the movie, let alone be like, Oh yeah, he's this gonna be a central every, character. Yeah, he's gonna be in every scene, and there's this like cool moment where Peter Parker tries to, where, where he's on like a a boat yachty type thing. Uh, uh, yeah, ferry. Ferry. It's a ferry. Shipping. Thank you. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a big ferry. Big ferry, and the ferry starts blowing apart, and he's trying to put it together, and then yeah, Vulture tears it in half. Yeah, because he, he basically what how I figured it out from the trailer yeah. is that he's already fought Vulture at this point so Vulture's looking out for him trying to yeah. find him and he's all like alright I know I'm supposed to stay in my neighborhood but whatever I'm gonna do shit wherever I want yeah. sees some guys with guns mugging someone or doing being a dick so he you know whips out the Spider-Man and takes him out and then Vulture finds him that way and then attacks the boat and cuts it in half then he pulls a Spider-Man 2 is it with yep. the subway car Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, holds everything together, but it's gonna find up, you know, gonna fall apart. And there's gonna be a real dramatic scene, and then of course Iron Man flies in and saves the day, and then lectures them for a while. And it's just, that's yeah, I mean, and then takes away his suit, and then he's then he's flying around in the track pants and still <laughs> trying to fight everything back. And it's it's yeah, the whole movie is freaking right there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's just so. Yeah, I have no idea why they get of the things they gave away in that movie. I'm particularly pissed off about that boat sequence. I'm really upset that they gave pretty much that entire sequence away because that's going to be like a ten to fifteen minute sequence in the movie, isn't it? Because they're going to oh, fight. Oh yeah. Because they're going to fight definitely. on the boat, and then the boat is just going to go south. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get cut in half, and then Spider Man's going to be like, "Fuck, what do I do?" And then he's going to. You start... know, what's the worst part is that there was yeah. at least like one of those like one one or two second se- second sequences. Uh, like the little scenes, like seemed actually really good. Yeah. Like the the way he was saying, like no, 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 no. like it, it actually sounded really, really realistic. So I was like, oh, that looks like it's gonna be a cool scene. Too bad I've already seen it. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it's like we've already seen it, and it's just, oh, why? <laughs> that was my only question. Was just why did they? Yeah, this the. I mean, I wouldn't call it a good trailer because it seems like it gave away all of the acts of the movie. It really, it, it really did. I, th- I think, I think they cut a bad trailer for Spider-Man: Homecoming. I mean, it, it, it's not going to deter me from going to see the movie. And maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe when we go see the, uh, maybe when we go see the movie, that that boat sequence happens like five minutes in, right? And it's, it's like, all right, this. this and is maybe it's happen. actually really short. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe it's it the, the longer sequence is him dealing with the criminals. And then when Vulture attacks, all he does is cut the thing in half and then flies off. Yeah, and who who knows? But uh, I just I I from my perspective of that trailer, it gave away a lot of moments I would have liked to have seen happen in the movie as opposed to in a trailer. But I uh, definitely agree. Yeah, I agreed. That's it, it. Everything I saw looks like it's going to be a good movie, but I wish I hadn't seen everything that I saw. <laughs> that said, I'm about a bazillion times 
you know, looking forward, looking more forward to Spider-Man Homecoming than I am for Justice League, which will most likely rape my eyeballs and and just. God. The thing it's that hurts. I'm it hurts because I've always been a big Justice League fan and I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan. No, oh, <laughs> and yet yeah. here I am in 2017, and Spider-Man, even with a crappy trailer, is orders of magnitude higher on my to-do list. Yeah. You know, what, uh, you know what I'm I'm most looking forward to is seeing Michael Keaton yeah, complete the circle. Yeah, of <laughs> yep. hero doing a movie about a washed of an actor. Like from a wash, like, like an old basic. Okay, so he does. He actually from acts Batman as a hero, Birdman. Batman. Then to yeah. Birdman, yeah. where he's yeah. an actor trying to come back from being, you know, just pigeonholed as a superhero, to being back to a superhero, basically. Yeah. yeah. The only way I that, saw that going But a Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> also true. Good point. The, the only other way I saw that going full circle, Mike, is that there were a lot of fan castings for a while, about a year ago, I would say, for like a Batman Beyond movie where he plays old Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that. I'd watch that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he throw things for no reason and think he's controlling them with his mind? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes. All right. All right, so that's it for this week on the Crossover Podcast. I feel like we're, we're all caught up. Uh, next week, we will be back on the sports side. Craig and I are going to do our – because it will be playoff time, and Craig will be back, and we're going to talk NHL and probably – definitely NHL, maybe NBA. We don't know if the NBA will have all their uh, stuff figured out in time for us to do the podcast, but the NHL definitely will. So we'll be back doing that. And then i got to get uh, – I think Miller – in two weeks, I think it'll be up to you, buddy. We might have to get caught up on all the DC shows. Talk a little DC show action. It's been uh, oh, there's so much to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, it's, been, it's been very good, I'd say. There, I it, couple weeks ago, a week or uh, around the time of recording this one, I would say there was an episode of Arrow that made a legitimate claim for best episode in the history of the show. In, wow. In, yeah, in season five, I would say there's there's an episode that made that. That takes a legitimate swipe at the title of best episode in, in that's the history. A, that's of a era. tall claim. They yeah. did a they did a perchance a dream episode yes, recently. That's that's high. Wow. Yeah, a lot of lot of good stuff going on. They, yeah, I knew they'd bring it back on Arrow. They they, they definitely found their fastball back for this season, and and it's been been a lot of fun. And uh, well, good on them, man. Yeah, Legends. Yeah, they needed it. Yeah, Flash has been hit or miss. I would say of the of the of the three shows, and then Supergirl is just Supergirl. And uh, it's, it's just fun. It's just fun with that. It's just, just good, wholesome fun. Yeah, it's just good, wholesome fun. And, and to, uh, spending time with that character is a lot of fun. So we'll be back next week talking NHL and maybe NBA. Crossover podcast available at thecrossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossoverpodcast, Twitter account at Empire 6 That's the show account as well. And we are also available on iTunes and SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash crossoverpodcast. Mike and Kevin. Thank you very much, you guys. I had a blast talking Legion with you guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Take care, you guys. Crossover.